Miss Ross. Tell him. That's an order. He's dead. Dead? He died last night. After you moved him? Before. I've got him downstairs under a John Doe. Now, you are sick. Smuggling a dead man out of a hospital? Welcome to The Rank with John and Zach. I'm John. I'm Zach. We've been friends since Cub Scouts, and now 30 years later, we decided to start a podcast where we'll be ranking anything and everything. You know, the natural progression of events for millennials. You're probably wondering what credentials we have to rank anything. Well, we don't have any. If you disagree, <laughs> join the discussion at Twitter at, at the Rank Podcast, on our website at therankwithjohnandzack.com, or email us at therankwithjohnandzack at protonmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at the Rank Podcast. And remember, please rate, review, and subscribe so we can keep this thing going. Anyway, enjoy the show. One night when I was... Do you remember the IFC channel back when that was on cable? Yeah. It was the independent film channel? Yeah. Portlandia uh, was on that, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, one night I wanted to watch... I don't know if you remember the movie... Um, oh, fuck, what is it called? Uh, the Sweet Hereafter, I believe. An Adam Agoyan okay. movie. And is that Cameron Diaz? Is Cameron Diaz in that? Uh, no one I know is in it, I don't think. So I don't think so. Sweet um, hereafter. I feel I I know that. I'm gonna look it up. Keep going. Um But yeah, it is I, I, actually Sarah Polly's in it, Ian Holmes in it. Some people are in it. But anyway, um it's an oh, extre- yeah. it's an extremely sad movie. Like I don't know if you see the the synopsis, you know, a bus. I didn't look at the synopsis. <laughs> well, it, it's just about um, a lawyer goes to a small town because the school bus, like their one school bus, has crashed into a lake and all the kids have died. And he's oh, gonna, geez. and and he's like proposing to all the town's residents to be like, let's sue the bus company or something, and none of them want to do that. Um, and and it, and it also figures his his addict's daughter also figures into it. It's an extremely sad movie. So I watched that, and then I was like. Oh, I wanted. I've always wanted to see the movie that comes on next too, so I'll watch that. But that was Boys Don't Cry. Oh my gosh, dude! (laughs) Yeah, by the end of that night, I was like, "Well, I guess it's time to walk into the ocean because (laughs) life is not worth living. There's nothing but but anger and pain." That that reminds me of I. So I read King Leopold's Ghost. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Yeah, Yeah. intense book. And then I was like, "What do I want to read next?" Oh, I guess I'll read Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. Yeah, great. What the hell was, <laughs> why would I double up with that? You're like Talk feeling about pretty good about white guilt. Yeah, feeling pretty good about being of European descent now. Yeah, feeling great about that. That's why, like, whenever I hear anybody, you know, like talking about, like, wow, you know, Europe was great. Mm-hmm. No, no, it wasn't. Read these two books back to back and tell me how great Europe is. Yeah, Europe had some nice stuff, like the Ninth Symphony or whatever. That was fun. But other than that, I don't know. <laughs> Some, they had some buildings that people like. Yeah. Well, I suppose I suppose they've contributed something to global culture. <laughs> Mostly but, themselves. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I also I find it fascinating that like now I don't know the full history on this, so I'm you know I don't I might be wrong. 
but I believe that the Chinese, you, you know, they discovered gunpowder, right? Mm-hmm. And then they used it just for like celebrations and fireworks and stuff like that. Yeah. And then Europeans are like, oh, <laughs> oh you can kill people with this. Oh, that sounds great. And then they just fucking took over the world. Yep, that was what we were good at, I think. Looking yes. at what everyone else did and saying, how can we use that to kill? Yeah, exactly. Oh, this is an innovation. How mm-hmm. could we kill people with it? Yeah, all the people who already had gunpowder are like, look, it makes beautiful things. And we're like, mm, sure does. I feel like that's why we haven't gone to space as much anymore. Because yeah. it's like, well, you can't really kill anybody out there. There's <laughs> nobody up there. <laughs> that's why we need to invent a fake it'll be like wag the dog except for aliens we'll invent yeah, fake aliens. Exactly. wag the dog is so great yeah <laughs> i haven't seen it actually since it came out but i remember when we, get I, we watched that together i believe we both yeah. really enjoyed it and canadian bacon which is a similar plot you see i like canadian bacon a lot it's a silly movie. i love canadian bacon it's got all my favorite canadians in it i love john candy I also love that John Candy, who is Canadian, yeah. played a ridiculous American that yeah. <laughs> invaded Canada. He, se- he seemed to have known all about it, so I guess he, I guess he'd seen us acting like that sometimes. <laughs> all right, so now we're we're on to to bullet, bullet. So I, you know, I had never seen this. You had never seen it, right? Nope. It was interesting. I mm-hmm. thought. You know, I know we're going to get into it, and I don't want to go dive too deep into it, but uh, I, yeah, I was, um, I'm curious if we're going to find ourselves, I have a sneaking suspicion about how you feel about this movie, mm. and I don't want to, I don't want you to give it away or anything, but I do wonder if we're going to have similar feelings for other older movies like this. Yeah. You know, or if this is, is a one-off type thing and not, not a one-off because Jason and the Argonauts was good too, but I feel like this was different. Like a different... It, was, it was different. Yeah. It was different from the modern stuff and it was different from Jason and the Argonauts. So, right. Exactly. Well, um, I mean, I think we can go right into it. So, uh, you know, for our listeners that haven't, haven't heard this spiel before, um, basically, and every episode, we, we give you a brief summary of the movie. Then we, um, we talk about uh, what we've ranked, where the current rank stands, go into the potent notables, which are just you know notable things that happened during the filming of this. Um, and then we go over the you know the plot and everything of the movie in, in uh, somewhat uh, it's pretty pretty good detail. So spoiler alert, you know <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're going to give away the whole movie. Um, and then, uh, and then we do the rank where we, um, we rank it based on 10 categories, one to five, five being the best one being the worst and, uh, see if it ends up being the, the best action movie of all time. And today we're ranking bullet this, the 1968 movie starring Steve McQueen written by Alan Trustman and Harry Kleiner, uh, adapted from a novel called the mute witness by Robert L. Fish. And uh, it was directed by Peter Yates. Now, we've already ranked Aliens, Cliffhanger, Central Intelligence, Bloodsport, The Mummy, Predator, Hero, Iron Man, Speed, Bullet Train, Jason and the Argonauts, and Mission Impossible. So Iron Man is currently leading the list. Uh, it's, it's it's the best action movie ever, as of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh, you know, this is this was a rare one that both Zach and I have never seen. Uh, I, I think that'll. I'm curious if that'll play a role in how we rank because I tend to enjoy movies, the entertainment value of movies more the first time I see them. Mm. Um, it's hard for me to like. Although you know the way we've been watching them now with a more critical eye, mm. that helps. But I can't help it. I just the first time I see a movie, I just want to enjoy it. You know, I don't want to like look at it and be like, "Wow, this fucking sucks." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, and I, I have to say, I wrote this portion before I watched the movie. I said, um, I wrote this is another older action movie. Mm-hmm. But I have a suspicion that it may actually hold up better than most. I'm not sure why I felt that way. I, I you know, I was like, I never saw it, but who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, maybe it'll end up being the best action movie of all time. We'll find out. We'll see. So Bullet follows um, Frank Bullet, who yeah. is a lieutenant in the San Francisco PD. I can't and... believe that's the name, by the way. I had no idea. <laughs> I thought it was just like a. They just named it that for some reason. But no, his name is Frank Bullet. Like, are you kidding? <laughs> but this kid, when imagine this kid being born, Frank Bullet. Like he 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 was doomed to be a cop no matter what he did. Or a criminal. Yeah. One or the other. Yeah. Or a bullet train operator. Or a bullet train operator. <laughs> um and, and, and who ends up dying at the end because I, I think the operator gets blown out of the, <laughs> yeah. the cockpit there at the end of bullet. <laughs> you know, alphabet, um, alphabetically, this movie is just below Bullet Train for me, but we'll have to see how the ranking goes. That's so stupid. I love it. I love it. That there's there's the review for me. That's so stupid. That's just junk. Uh, no, it's, it was really funny. I'm not. It was it was stupid in a great way. Um, so. Would you believe I defused a, a, an argument at work once that way with the, almost that exact joke? Really? Two people I knew whose names began with A were, were arguing like a lot. And I told them, stop fighting. Alphabetically, you're two of my favorite people. And they, and like they genuinely laughed and the argument was over. And I was like, I did it. <laughs> He's in that's, the Middle East. That's finally. really cool. So... Um... Yeah, so anyway, the movie follows Frank Bullitt, lieutenant of San Francisco PD, um, and basically he is trying to protect a, uh, what do you call it, an informant um, for this really sleazy district attorney, mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. and shenanigans happen, I guess. A really poor movie summary, because what is happening right now is I actually forgot to write it. Well, the thing is, is that the... Um not a lot actually happens because I, I well we're going to get into that but it's sort of fascinating it. I had no idea that that was like the whole movie I'm like well how does it keep going yeah yeah I'm like oh, it's, okay. it seems like that would be the end of it right yeah so all right let's get into the potent notables mm. so again with a movie from the 60s uh there was some difficulty finding the actual box office total for it so mm. On Box Office Mojo, it says that it made $511,350 domestically and $72 internationally. Mm-hmm. 
72? 72. So, like, it played at one theater for, like, a couple of nights or some shit. Actually, if it was, like, a, maybe it was, like, a dollar movie night, so it played yeah. for a week or something. Yeah. For a worldwide total of $511,422. Yeah, yeah. And that yeah, doesn't gotta, make much sense to me. You gotta, gotta remember that international, that total there, because that probably made or break the studio. Yeah, exactly. Now, I looked a little further into it, and I found those those theatrical rentals again, like I did with Jason and the Argonauts. Mm-hmm. Um, and the theatrical rental says that the may, movie made $19 million. Okay. And so the, the theatrical rentals portion of it, that means the amount that actually went back to the studio. Right? So that's not the total box office. It's just like the profit or the what was given to the studio from the, um, from the theater chains. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that feels like makes a little more sense to me. Uh, but the budget for the movie was $5 million. So, um, yeah. So, so either way, unless unless the total is just seventy two dollars, it's still did okay. So I just I'm like, how is Box Office Mojo okay with even putting that on there? You know, <laughs> surprised it doesn't have like a sense, you know, like seventy two dollars and thirteen cents. So, yeah, right. I'm surprised they don't have some sort of sensor that goes, nope, that's stupid. Just <laughs> just put zero. The vice we don't president need anything here. Sense, yeah. <laughs> this this maybe that that field requires you know. <laughs> Some sort of value, so, otherwise it won't. <laughs> well, so I don't know if did you look into this at all? This movie, Not really. no. Well, it was sort of famously Steve McQueen is like credited as being the driver in the movie, mm-hmm. like that he did his own driving. Uh, but apparently, no, actually, I did actually, look a little bit about the stones. Yeah, so apparently he did actually nothing beyond share, nothing beyond that, but. <laughs> he did apparently actually well, share just... the drive. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> go ahead. I think I missed what you said. What did you say? I was just, all I said was that I did look up a little bit about the stunts, and I and I saw that he he did some of the driving. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, that's it. Well, he did actually share the driving duties with Bud Eakins, who's mm-hmm. apparently like mm-hmm. the best stunt driver ever. Um, I mean, it sounds like it, right? Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I, no, I, I no, I'm being serious. I love when these guys have names like that, like Bud Eakins. He's got to do something cool like that. Like um, the guy who broke the sound barrier, um, Chuck Yeager. His name is Chuck Yeager. He's got to do something cool. Yeah, he's not gonna just you know, he's not gonna dropping Yeager bombs everywhere, right? Exactly. So, well, you fastest man alive. Got to be somebody like that. It's not just gonna be like you know Frank Stankowitz or something. Yeah, no, Stankowitz probably wouldn't do it. You're right. But it's, wouldn't it be better, though, if it was Stankowitz? <laughs> kind of wish it was. <laughs> he was forced to change his name, though, to Bud Eakins. <laughs> Frank Yeager. Um, you can actually tell when he's driving and when he's not. Because mm-hmm. when Steve is driving, the rearview mirror is faced in a way that you can see his face, so that you mm-hmm. can see that he's driving. But when he's not driving, it's like tipped up, so you can't see it. Now, question: Could he see in his rearview mirror? Was that necessary? Was that important? <laughs> I think he specifically wanted people to know what he was doing. So he, like, apparently got really embarrassed that uh, in the Great Escape, it turned out like, that he wasn't driving the the motorcycle, motorcycle? Yeah. and people were like, "Oh, you weren't driving the motorcycle," and he was like, "Well, you know, I don't want that to happen again." 
Um, and I got this a little, hold on. After Steve McQueen lost control of his car and smashed into a parked vehicle, his then wife, Neil, I don't know how to say her name. It looks like Neil, <laughs> sound right. Yeah. But Neil Adams begged Peter Yates, who was the director, to use yeah. a stuntman. So when McQueen reported for duty to find stuntman Bud Eakin sitting in his car dressed as McQueen, he was furious. Oh, no. So. Bud Eakin. Now, we'll get into this at sort of the end of the Potent Notables, but um, I think McQueen had uh, had some masculinity issues. Yeah, I'd buy that. I don't know why, but I would buy that. So when they were filming the scene where the giant airliner taxis just above Steve McQueen, uh-huh. right? And after when I when I saw this potent notable and I watched it, I was like, "Wow, I get why this people were like." So people were shocked that they didn't use a double. Yeah, you mean like not the one where he runs under the under the plane? Yeah, jeez, that wasn't that, a double. That was him. I was thinking while that scene was happening, like, I hope this guy doesn't get sucked up into the freaking jet engine. That would be- I know. And and then, but what was funny when Steve McQueen was asked if the producers could have found like a dummy to use, you know, like just mm-hmm. put a dummy on the ground. Yeah. McQueen replied, they did. <laughs> so that was pretty good. <laughs> he was sitting on that one, just waiting for the right moment. Reverse burnout during the car chase scene was, wasn't actually in the script. McQueen just missed the turn, but they decided <laughs> to leave it in. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, I think I actually remember thinking that that was a little strange that they had him, not reverse and then yeah Yeah. but all right cool (laughs) but i kind of liked it because it felt it it felt more real and i will say that throughout this whole movie it felt it felt very real well uh i was actually going to ask about the driving a little bit with you because you know a lot more about driving than i do um to the point that i don't know how to i don't know how to formulate a proper question for it except (laughs) uh except like i guess and i guess we can do it on the action scenes and everything but yeah um, if the the chase scene there specifically felt like you know you were legitimately driving older American heavy cars with you know manual transmissions and probably no power steering and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, I felt I feel like it added to like the tension of the of the scene. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I thought it was really I you know I don't want to get too crazy. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I thought, um, I I felt like it was very real, mm-hmm. but. Um, Here's something I found interesting because, I mean, San Francisco is kind of an often used city in mm-hmm. movies because of the hills and everything. And yeah. I mean, I, have you ever been to San Francisco? I have, actually. I love San Francisco. It's like uh, one of my favorite cities. It's a fun place. But um, at the time, San Francisco was not a big filmmaking mecca. Uh-huh. And the mayor, Joseph L. Aliotto, Aliotto, whatever his uh-huh. name is, uh-huh. he was really, he was like wanting to promote it as a place where you could film. So um, he he basically was like, do whatever you want. <laughs> he let them like freedom of movement around the city. They would, um, they could film wherever they wanted. They closed down streets. They closed down a hospital wing for them. They, they gave them uh, multiple streets for three weeks for the car chase scene. And uh, and they took over the San Francisco International Airport at night. It's, I was uh, actually kind of wondering how they did the um, chase scene because it seems to go through a lot of street. I know it probably repeats, like they probably are going in circles, but I don't know. It looked like they were covering a decent amount of ground, and I feel like that's not just you know you don't guerrilla films don't make that kind of scene. So 
Right. Right. Yeah. No. So it's. And they, I mean, they they even said and this is like you would never get that kind of access now. Yeah. Well. Um. Yeah. He's just like burn the city down. I don't care. Yeah. Exactly. So two Mustangs and two Dodge Chargers were used to the for the famous chase scene. Mm-hmm. Both Mustangs were owned by the Ford Motor Company, shockingly, mm-hmm. and part of a promotional loan agreement with Warner Brothers. The cars were modified for the high-speed chase by uh, an auto racer, Max Balchowski. Oh, you see? That's why he didn't get to be the stunt work, because he had the right. last name. <laughs> if he had been Max Eakins, he'd been, he would have been front and center. That's right. Yeah. Or Jaeger. Or Jaeger. Uh, Max Jaeger. That's a cool name. Actually, that's a cool name, Max Jaeger. <laughs> <laughs> I love your name, Max Power. I got it off of the hairdryer. There was a, there was a, so you know Tyson Fury, the boxer, right? Yeah. Well, years ago, I was like looking into him. This is when he was he was not like well known yet, but he was you know, he was undefeated. He was like eight and zero, mm-hmm. and he was going up against Rich Power, mm-hmm. <laughs> who was also eight and zero. I'm like, is this real Fury versus Power? <laughs> He especially destroyed his name, Rich Power, but especially his name's Tyson Fury, so it's like, no, okay, you, you know, did they give you that at the uh, the same the same uh, name change think tank that they used to give old movie stars names? <laughs> like, uh, um, hmm, we need a name for our new biggest movie star. Let's just take our current biggest movie star's initials and we'll switch them, and then we'll make something up that works that way. <laughs> I'm talking about Cary Grant, in case nobody knows that story. They took Gary Cooper's initials and just said, well, Gary Cooper's good. People like him. We'll do CG this time. Wow, Very that's great. really fascinating. I, I had no idea. I don't know what what the heck thought process was on that. Cary Grant's real name was Archibald Leach, which I, I remember because it's such a silly name. And you can see why they wanted to change it. It doesn't quite suit him. Well, did you see the interview with Keanu that he was like, yeah, they wanted me to have a stage name and it was like such a ridiculous. I, I can't remember it right now. It was like yeah. it was like Todd Champs or something. <laughs> it was like really terrible. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the stunt coordinator on the film, Carrie Lot Lofton, got uh-huh. Buddy Eakins to drive the Mustang for the bulk of the stunts. Right. Both of the Dodges were junked after the filming, as was one of the Mustangs. The other less banged up Mustang was purchased by a Warner Brothers employee after all. Per- production and post-production was completed. The car ended up in New Jersey a few years later where Steve McQueen attempted to buy it. The owner refused to sell and the car now sits in a barn and has not been driven until recently when it was used by Ford to promote the 2018 Bullet Mustang when revealed at the Detroit International Auto Show. I like imagining Steve McQueen showing up at this bar, this, this farm and being like, I'd like to buy this, this car. And the guy's like, you can't buy this car. Do you have any idea who drove this car? And Steve McQueen's like, yeah. I do know who drove that car. <laughs> it and was me. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and, and the farmer's like, but Eakins drove this car. That's who. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so according this is, to Peter Yates. This is some car that Max Stanchowski drove. Oh, come on. I don't remember his name. Sorry. Um. According to Peter Yates, the director, Steve McQueen made a point to keep his head near the open car window during the famous chase scene so that audiences would be reassured that it was he, not a stuntman, who was driving. He was, like, really obsessed with this. Sleep soundly, audiences. Worry not. 
It is me. <laughs> it is not Bud Eakins driving. No, nay. Um, that's actually why Ace Ventura drives that way, too. <laughs> to reassure the audience is that it's actually Ace Ventura. <laughs> it's actually him, yeah. And not, and not the monkey that's driving. <laughs> so Robert Vaughn, who played Chalmers. Chal yes. Um, several, several, several years later, Robert Vaughn was like really considering going into politics, but this role <laughs> made it so he couldn't, people couldn't take him seriously and found him untrustworthy. They're like, you're that slimy guy from that movie. And he's like, yeah, it was a, it was a role. Was yeah. a role. <laughs> and they specifically said like when he did the, you know, what do they do? They test people, you know, mm -hmm. but they, they specifically said they remembered his oily performance in the film and didn't like him. I mean, it was an oily performance. I'll, I'd agree. I would also hesitate at voting for him because I didn't like that character either. Yeah. Well, I don't think you're supposed to. And Well, yeah. You know, I mean, he, he did, did a good job. job. It's just yep. he didn't do a good enough job in any other role. He's he's like, quick, i got to take a role where people like me. Well, I'm in politics. I'll play Harry S. Truman. And it's funny because he almost didn't even take the role because when he received the script, he didn't like it. Mm. He felt there was no plot, not a sensible storyline. But Steve McQueen insisted Vaughn do the film. He still refused until the studio offered him so much money. He finally said yes. I like I like the image of Steve McQueen showing up at this guy's house at night to try to you know convince him to take the role. Sounds to me like Steve McQueen is not a good negotiator since he couldn't get a Mustang out of a barn. He couldn't get a Mustang out of a barn. He couldn't get Robert Vaughn an actor yep. to act in a movie. <laughs> Robert Vaughn's like, I gotta think of my poli my political career after this. You'll be fine. So, you'll be fine. So here's what I this I thought this was an interesting one. Steve McQueen based his character on the San Francisco homicide de, uh, inspector Dave Tos, Toshi Toski. Mm -hmm. You know who he is? No. Okay. I'm he was made famous for his work on the Zodiac killings. Oh, really? Yeah. He's a he's the guy who like actually did that. Yeah. And so McQueen had a copy made of Toski's custom fast draw shoulder holster. Oh, about that. <laughs> so he like. I thought that was really fascinating. That actually is. Um, that um, is he a character in the movie? The uh, what's that movie called? Zodiac. I think he is. Yeah, I think he's um, he's the detective. I don't remember who plays the detective in that movie, but it's one of those guys. Or actually, lower. There is a detective, isn't it? In it, isn't it? I mean, I know it's a, a lot of it's the journalist. I feel like it might be Mark Ruffalo. Maybe not though. Who else is in the movie? Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Jake Robert Gyllenhaal, Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Right? Downey Jr. is the the the, um, the journalist, though I think. Right. And Jake Gyllenhaal is like the the comics guy, right? Yeah. Or, no, yeah, he's yeah. The crossword puzzle guy. I can't remember, yeah. but I do remember that. I'd forgotten all about that. So it's probably that's a good movie, movie, though. I really like that movie. Is I that a Fincher think. movie? Yeah. Of course it is. Yeah, that's why I like it because it was David freaking Fincher. <laughs> um. So. Director Peter Yates called for speeds of about 75 to 80 miles an hour, mm -hmm. uh, but the cars reached speeds of over 110 miles an hour. The filming of the chase scene took three weeks, resulting in nine minutes and 42 seconds of footage. Imagine how long it would have taken to film if they had actually driven at the 70 mile an hour. <laughs> they really sped it up. Yeah, they're trying to get it done. <laughs> they're like, come on, I got a kid, <laughs> wife and kids at home. Which, so it's funny because, like, you know, they got like full use of San Francisco and everything, mm -hmm. but they were actually denied permission to film on the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> you see I feel that? like that's a missed opportunity, you know? Like, that's like the best 
one of the best landmarks in your city and you're like, mm, I want people to come here and enjoy the scenery, but yeah, not the Golden Gate. Not that. Okay. Scary. I, uh, I can only imagine like, it's, it's a really fine print kind of thing. You know, you can come film in San Francisco. We'll give you full access to anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Except the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, exactly. Did you read the fine print? What do you mean we can't? Oh man, I wanted to crash a car off of the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> Ford Mustang. So, so Bonnie and Clyde popularized the use of squibs to simulate gunshot wounds. Oh, right, right. Like, like a year earlier. Mm-hmm. But this was one of the first films to incorporate them with blood packets. Oh, how about that? So you that's why they had the um, realistic sh- shooting sequence. Yeah, which was like disturbing to see in such an older movie, actually. It was a lot of blood. It was, it was jarring, I yeah. felt like. I didn't even think about it, really, but... So here's another cool thing. Because of the access they had in San Francisco, no sets were built for this film. None. All on location? All on location. Well done. I just thought that was kind of cool. Adds to the um, realism of the film pretty. And so this was actually the first movie that Steve McQueen produced mm. ever. And he personally selected Peter Yates to direct it mm. because he filmed a really realistic car chase through the streets of London. Mm-hmm. So that that's what got him the got him the role. It's, um, it's starting to feel a little bit like Steve McQueen wanted to make a car chase with a movie around it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he was like, "And I'm gonna fucking drive." Yeah, he's like, he's like, "What? You know, try to stop me." Um. Now, no, neither man nor Buddy Kittens can stop me. <laughs> so there's a lot. A lot of people say that this was the first major film to use the word bullshit. Uh, in fact, that distinction belongs to In Cold Blood, but it was like one of the first to use hard language. I love it. You know, I didn't notice that either, but talk about ushering in a new era of filmmaking. I know. I, so I, I, that's what I like. I really noticed those things because I, you know, I always do the potent notables first. So when I saw the blood, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's a lot mm-hmm. of blood. Yeah. And then when he said bullshit, I'm like, oh, there it is. Well, you know, it's bullshit. actually... It's actually, I, I, I somehow didn't even notice, but it makes so much sense in retrospect. And like, it makes a lot of sense because I remember thinking during it, dang, filmmaking has come a long way since Jason and the Argonauts five years earlier. Not because right. Jason and the Argonauts wasn't good. It's just, it, it has, it has a much more modern feel to it. And that's got to be because of the all location shooting, you know, not sets are always going to look kind of, kind of fake a little bit, especially with older, older technology and like the more realistic violence and, and language use. That's. Like, and I, I mean, th- that is the very beginning of the era of like more gritty, realistic filmmaking, like of the new American cinema and everything. Yeah, that's a good point. And if we ever do Dirty Harry, I'm going mm-hmm. to, I actually think I might end up seeing a lot of this in it. Yeah, probably. You know, it's because uh, I always, because I've seen Dirty Harry and I hadn't seen Bullet. And I sort of saw Dirty Harry as like ushering in uh, a yeah. new thing. But I'm wondering if it actually took a lot from this. Might even be a little bit. I'm even seeing a little bit of like you know, you know, Coppola and Scorsese in this. Yeah, I, I thought of that too. I, I really did. It, it had a a Godfather feel to mm-hmm. it. Yeah. The, the way it was filmed, not like the story, you yeah. know. But anyway, um, so during the car chase scene, the villain's car loses five hub, hubcaps. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. I got two more things. Now, this one's a long one, so mm-hmm. buckle up. 
Oh, well, if Steve McQueen's driving, I will. <laughs> well, so I found this, and I, I thought it was interesting enough that, it, that I felt like I should put it in here, um, and I didn't want to truncate it. So people believe that Steve McQueen's last interview was with this like student for a 1980 movie called uh, The Hunter. Mm-hmm. But there was actually an interview he did two days later with someone that had a connection with the director of The Hunter, mm-hmm. and he did it as a favor to the director. Okay. So, ironically, the tape that the interviewer was using broke, so he just stored it instead of uh, trying to piece together an interview. And and after that, the interviewer, whose name was Albert Tapman, mm-hmm. um, or after his death, his grandson got a hold of the tape and got it digitized. So this was fascinating, and so it was a fascinating read. Mm-hmm. Uh, but specifically, I'm going to talk about what he talked about with Bullet, because that's the movie we're doing, right? Yeah. Um, and he was kind of a dick. <laughs> now, I didn't hear it. it. It was only written. I only read the transcript. Um, but it certainly didn't read very well. For example, this is how they got onto the topic of Bullet, okay? He's, he's talking to Albert about some obscure film he did called An- On Any Sunday, and mm-hmm. Albert goes, well, I'll have to watch this film. You know, I'll have to watch this film. And McQueen responds, how exactly? You're going to run out of theater and watch it by yourself? Mm-hmm. We never put it on Laserdisc. Don't jerk me around. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so Albert moves on and asks him about driving in Bullet. And this is what he has to say about Bullet. I did some driving on Bullet, yeah, but we had problems with the script. The script calls for Frank Bullet to drive a Mercedes convertible. You know, he's an educated man. He's got a career. He's devil may care about things. So, of course, he's going to drive something like that. Well, somehow this was too tall of an order for the stunt coordinator. So they got so they go to the junkyard or somewhere and come back with this clapped out Mustang. This looks, I said, like something a pervert would drive. <laughs> okay. And Tapman goes... A pervert? And then gets cut off by McQueen saying, let's not mince words. I look at you and say, this is someone who knows, and it says inaudible, so I don't know what he says that after that. And Tatman says, I don't know how to respond. And then McQueen cuts him off again saying, don't bother. So anyway, then these geniuses say that the car chase will be between a Mustang and a Charger. Great, I said. By all means, let's have the two worst cars in San Francisco for this. Because I assume you couldn't find two rusted out beetles. That's why I look disgusted during that scene. That's not acting. That's real. That's the real me, disgusted. And as you know, the scene was garbage. <laughs> and Tatman goes, to the contrary, I, and then he gets cut off again. And McQueen says, watching the dailies, I said, how many hubcaps do these cars have? Nobody could give me an answer. Apparently, they kept pulling, putting the hubcaps back on. Well, that's as bad as wearing a lizard suit and humping a, a a rubber rock in prime time. When you're a bad guy being chased by a good guy, you don't have time to put the hubcaps back on. It's a critical error that throws the whole film into question. We had other problems. If you watch this movie, we're going to put it on Laserdisc, 70 bucks, and you can watch it with all your friends. Don't have to pay for each one. It's basically stealing. You can see that you can see that all of Robert Vaughn's pants are cut too short, all of them, because they thought it was Robert Wagner in the movie who is shorter. I doubt you know that. And Tatman goes, it hadn't occurred to me that I, and then he cuts him, off, cuts him off again and says, just say you don't know. Don't be a phony. I hate phonies. And Tatman goes, I dot, 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 don't know. And then McQueen says, you see, when you say something like that and you say it like a man, we have something to build on. 
<laughs> what a dick. I love this 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 weird kick he's on about Laserdisc. That's, I don't know what kind of beef he's got going on I know, with the great. Laserdisc people, but and uh, I, I like I I think that Tapman was going to mention that it it seems to be a highly lauded chase scene specifically, <laughs> but he apparently doesn't think so. And um, I believe I saw while I was looking something up that they used his you know likenesses and special effects for various Mustang commercials over the years. I would love for them to include the audio of him saying that Mustangs and Chargers are the two worst cars in San Francisco. I know. Like, right. I love something that he's like they came back with like yeah something a pervert would drive and then like uh, they came back with a clapped out Mustang. Yeah. Like like it was just. Like a real piece of shit car. Like yeah, the, I the, love that car. <laughs> yeah, the Ford Corporation should really use that in their in their ads. Something it's something a pervert would drive, Steve McQueen. <laughs> I wish this car were uh, I can't remember what he said. <laughs> so my last potent notable is um there there was a like a Turner Classic Movies interview with Jacqueline Bissett, who played McQueen's girlfriend in the movie. Mm-hmm. Or wife, or whatever she was. I hope it went exactly the same as this type of interview. I hope she was exa- every bit as ornery. <laughs> no, she was really nice. Oh, <laughs> but at one point she was like, "Yeah, I um, I've never understood the movie. <laughs> she said, I've never understood the plot for Bullet. I feel the same way about Mission Impossible. <laughs> um." I just saw. I, I thought that that was sort of a perfect thing to lead into the uh, the yeah. movie with the movie. Oh yeah, you. never understood it. <laughs> well, for, you know, if you only watched her scenes, I I wouldn't blame her because she's kind of barely in it. But yeah, well, we'll get into her role too. Mm-hmm. Um, but so so we're going into the movie overview now, folks. Uh, again, buckle up. There's going to be spoiler alerts. <laughs> no. Nope, that's not the right way to say that. <laughs> We're not going to spoil anything, but we are going to give spoiler alerts. So look out if you don't like your spoiler alerts to be spoiled. Spoiler alert. Look out for them. Our our, our one remaining listener is now very confused, and I don't blame them. I, I'm going to have to fight my urge to, to cut out that. Oh. Uh, that's so good. So anyway, I started it off like before I even started the movie. I, I was like, I'm, I'm feeling pretty excited to see this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had it. I've owned it for like years and I just have never watched it. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't say I owned it. Actually, it was um, it was sort of like left to me by uh, Sarah's brother, my brother-in-law. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't would... know if he's seen it either. <laughs> but when, when you mentioned you had it but hadn't seen it, I was wondering if it was a gift from your dad or something. It would make a lot of sense, right? Because mm-hmm. that, that's very something my dad would uh, would want me to see because he is all about the older movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, it starts kind of abruptly, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, however, I will say that the uh, opening credit sequence is really stylish in a really fun way. Yeah, I wrote that. The opening credits seem more advanced than 1968. Yeah, I mean, for real. I was like, oh, wow, this is, like, really good. It was, like, uh, I don't want to say special effects, but, like, you know, kind of interesting techniques and everything and, like, kind of 
kind of fancy filmmaking. And I, I, it, Mission Impossible is also kind of a kind of a nice opening credit scene, and it just made me look, think back to Speed and wishing that Jan de Bont had taken something from both of these movies that you can have like plot occur during the opening credits. I know, but have it be fun and interesting and not like just an some... elevator shaft yeah. for 20 minutes. I like the way the plot unfolded during this movie's opening credits, but also with still credits. Yeah, it was, it was pretty. Um... So I thought it was interesting because it, it actually, it's sort of the beginning of the action movie thing where you, you do an action sequence right in the beginning mm-hmm. to like, be like to get people like whoa what's happening right yeah yeah um and then get into your story so i thought that was really interesting because i don't i don't obviously i haven't seen a ton of like old action movies but mm-hmm. uh it seemed to me like it was you know fairly i i felt like they were trying new things with mm-hmm. this movie oh but i think that maybe i'm wrong um so but I did. There was a lot of the opening sequence where I was like, "What? What is happening?" Yeah, it was. It was a tiny bit confusing, perhaps. But it's like, okay, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to know if it's even like really happening because right. it's like some of it's in slow mo, maybe even, and like the fa- the way that the text keeps like flying up the screen and then remaining still being fixed. Also, like yeah, exactly. It's cool to look at, but I can see it being. It was. It was in fact a little. A little strange at some points. Yeah, I mean, it's. I I would imagine that seeing that in 1968 would have been like this is like so advanced and cool, you know. I would have been super into it in the theater. I would have been like, ooh, I don't know what's going on, but I'm into it. Yeah, exactly. I would have too. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't really fully grasp what was happening in the opening sequence, other than that they were chasing somebody. Yeah, and he got away. Yeah, right. Um, which I, I suppose that's kind of what they were trying to get at, right? I don't know that they were trying to give you anything more than that. Um, I, was, I was confused because one of the bad guys, or I guess one of the bad guys, takes out a freaking grenade and throws it. I was like, <laughs> wait, the civilians just had grenades in the past? I, I don't know, it felt strange to me. Like, he's going to take out a bazooka next. <laughs> like, what exactly is well, this guy's finance? But the, the organization the has organization, whatever they yeah. need, I which so. I thought was funny. That was kind of a silly... Yeah, like it's the organ. We're gonna take down the organization. Like I felt the same way. Like they're not allowed to say a mafia. The mafia. Like, yeah. Um. So, and then the next thing we do is, you know, the guy walks into the hotel, and he's like, "You got a message for Johnny Ross, or whatever he said." Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> this, I just thought it was a funny exchange. Nothing. Are you sure? <laughs> but, like, but you literally, yeah. we just watched him on screen go through each one of these things. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, all right, man, whatever. Um, and then I'm like, what is up with this valet that he's just like glaring at him? And mm-hmm. yeah, and, I, and then a little bit later, you realize he's a snitch. So, okay, well, I got it. That explains that. But actually, that was a really well framed little shot where you see like he's weird and like almost a little creepy. And then you're like, oh, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and I don't know if you, I don't know how soon you realized it, but like right after that, I'm like, was the cab driver Robert Duvall? I didn't realize it until well later in the movie. And I can't believe that Robert, I mean, I feel like he was, I mean, Has I he guess, always been 50. He looks like he's always been 50 at least. 
I feel like there were like like up until like the twenty tens he was fifty and yeah. then he was and then he was eighty. Yeah. <laughs> he went from like twenty to fifty to eighty. <laughs> just, just skipping entire decades, Robert Duvall style. But no, like it's it's I don't know, I I felt like he was a better known actor than that, but maybe not back then. I actually don't know that I know that I think about. Well, I mean I think his so the the next role I know he's in is is God as the Godfather. Oh, um, maybe he actually wasn't as much as I'm thinking. I know he was in a um in a um To Kill a Mockingbird, but he was in To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, he played uh Boo Radley. He huh. was. I think he was actually young there. You might be able to go back and actually see him as <laughs> as a 48 year old. So, so he was he was 20 for yeah. one movie and then was 50 immediately yeah. after that. <laughs> Um, that, was, that was a tough year. <laughs> um, and then, okay, so now, now we were going to meet Steve McQueen and Frank Bullitt for the first time, right? right. Because Del Getty or whatever the hell his name is yeah. comes and like knocks on his door and is like, "Hey, man, let me in" or whatever. Or he rings the doorbell, mm-hmm. and then he has like a recliner <laughs> lever. I was I was hoping that you the door that up because. I don't know if is that something that existed? Do you know? I don't know. It seemed like I've never seen such a thing in my life. I would love but a, a it remote. It made me basically. want one. Yeah, <laughs> just like put it like right next to wherever you sit, and be like, "Come on in." <laughs> I remotely <laughs> activate the door somehow with this fucking lever, like a wooden lever up the stairs. That's I think cool. it would be really great, especially in this day and age, when you could kind of do that just with your phone. Yeah. To to like have this giant wooden lever. <laughs> you can come in now. I mean, I think it would actually be really fun, but it was like, and I love that it was outside his apartment, but because it was at the top of the stairs, so I guess it's, you don't want to go down the stairs, but you you still need to leave the apartment. So I guess it's a shared door opening device. Well, so now Bullet's got to go meet uh, Chalmers, right? Mm. He's going to go meet the sleazy politician. And I have to say, so he's, like, talking to these ladies, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know if you saw when he's walking away, but they're just like, oh, ah! like, <laughs> like, this over-the-top, like, you know, looking at him, like, fawning mm. over him. I was like, okay, we get it. But the <laughs> ladies like this guy, apparently. L.L. Robert Chalmers. Ladies love Robert Chalmers. Yeah, so then Robert Vaughn gets outside with Steve McQueen there, Chalmers and Bullet, mm-hmm. and all I could look at was his hair, hair flopping in the wind. In the wind. <laughs> yep, same. <laughs> the beginning of this movie weirdly distracting. Yeah, <laughs> due to very silly things. It turns out, but I was thinking that too because McQueen's hair stays put, but this guy is like all over. Just the place. like this little bit of hair, flippy flappy, flippy flappy, like all. I'm like, what? It's the same, it's the same uh, inattention. Did they not have gel like in 1968? No, I just used pomade, I guess. <laughs> well, so then he's got to go meet the, uh, the whatchamacallit, the informant, right? Mm-hmm. Who's like not the informant, yeah. um, but we don't know that yet. And they go to this hotel, I guess. Yeah. That seems like kind of an apartment building. Also <laughs> the darkest hallway ever. Yeah. <laughs> must be a reason for that, but yeah. And then, so then, you know, they're, they're, so they, they go into this room, this really like terrible room and they're like, stay away from the windows, <laughs> yeah. you know, cause you're a good shot. <laughs> um, and, and then 
we follow Steve McQueen to go meet his girlfriend. Which, yeah. You know, I didn't know if that was what was happening for a while there. Yeah, it was, um, was kind of strange. I don't even remember what she was doing. What was her job? I couldn't tell. Was she tell. an architect? And then, it, and then, like, randomly she's like, look this thing up. And we, like, close up on the page. And I'm like, yeah. is that 9.8 thing going to come into this later? <laughs> yeah. And are we supposed to be able I'm, to read this? Yeah. I'm like, I have no idea what just happened here. But why did we... <laughs> I'm just she's, like, okay. She's, she's looking up flexion for steel beams or some shit. Like, very confusing. Yeah, so now he's going to take her to uh, for an outing, to dinner. To dinner right? at some kind of jazz club or something. Right, right. So this is, like, really kind of funny to me because he's like, you know, Chalmers is like, I've told you're the best, right? You're mm-hmm. the best guy for the job. Yeah. And then he immediately leaves the job. <laughs> he's like, all right, I'm on third shift, so I get to go have some time off with my lady. Yeah, I'm going to go have some fun. And they listen to some jazz flute. And all I can think was Ron Burgundy. Ron Burgundy, yeah. I figured that that was, that was what it was. Actually, it's funny because I remember thinking throughout this entire movie that the soundtrack was actually pretty uh, pretty solid. And uh, I looked it up. Oh, yeah. It's a well-regarded I, soundtrack. It's just, it ends up being funny when, like, we're supposed, like, we're in this jazz club with the flute. And, like, they're, like, I don't know if it was supposed to be, like, happening or what, but... Like almost like it was supposed to be like a cool like yeah this is where the where the hep cats hang out. Well, I don't know if you were looking in the background, but Fred Armisen was back there trying to get somebody to catch it. So, um, <laughs> I'll have to go back in the freeze frame try to find him. <laughs> Watching the Jazz okay. Three. So I noticed that McQueen was wearing like really ridiculous pajamas, right? In <laughs> the very that. beginning. And I thought, okay, you know, that's a quick scene. He pulls the recliner lever and lets them in, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, we have to see him in these same PJs again. And I'm like, <laughs> why? Well, you got to bring the ladies in. The lady viewership somehow. The female demographic loves these pajamas, I think. I, just, I don't know. I mean, do you wear, like, full, like, pants and long sleeve shirt pajamas? I also wear a jacket to bed. <laughs> I'm just like, what is this? This is a grown man, you know? He's wearing ridiculous brown pajamas that cover his entire body. It's like he's wearing a onesie. If only there'd been dinosaurs on it. (laughs) Like, why are you calling it home? I'm in my jammies. And and then he's like laying. Apparently, Jacqueline Bissett just like could not. He she she just loved those gym jams. Oh yeah. Um, because then they start Eskimo kissing for like two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a weirdly long scene there. I was like, we're we done with them kissing or can we move on? What? But were they kissing? I don't this know. is what they... I was confused about. They were like not in the right spot. It, lo- it looked like they were literally just rubbing their noses together for a while. Like, I... mm, Eskimo kisses. This is adorable. <laughs> I think I think it's an old fashioned kind of stage kiss where like you just turn away from the camera and like, you know, make make motions. But probably better than so than, uh, you know we jump from eskimo kissing and a great cleavage shot to guys getting blown away with a freaking <laughs> shotgun and blood everywhere mhm mhm and I, you know uh, what i wrote was damn that was violent as hell what were we going to say no it is i i was i didn't did you notice uh, when you first watched about with the uh, chain being off the door because i thought i was just confused 
and like then why was, did that I wrote why did that guy unlock the door? Yeah, I and then it ends up being a plot point, so duh, but like I thought that it was just like a filmmaking flub for a second there. That <laughs> they just accidentally left the door unlocked there for a second. Because like shoot to it and I'm like, wasn't the door just locked? And it's just kind of funny how I don't know, I kinda wonder if it could have been edited a tiny bit better to make it clear that that was the case, because I wouldn't have even put it together until later when... Oh, really? I, I noticed it right away. I mean, he went over to eat the sandwich. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. re- really weirdly. Yeah. Um, And then he leaves, and I'm like, okay. And then and then after he moves away from it, he sees you see that the door is unlocked. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, clearly he just unlocked the door, but why the fuck would he do that, you know? Yeah, it must have just been me being a little... A little slow on the uptake, which wouldn't be unusual. Um, and then I'm like, so I obviously wasn't expecting Ross to get shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, he must be still still be alive, or else isn't the movie over? Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I was like, okay, so is this moving in a new direction, or is that that? Bullet <laughs> has no action scenes. Never watched the car, despite me knowing that this movie has car stuff in it. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what I was like. Isn't this all about like car chases? How are we getting to that car chase? <laughs> yeah. Um, especially if this guy's like been shot. Yeah. <laughs> How are they getting him into a Mustang? It um, seems like both of these guys were shot pretty badly, and then they get to the hospital, and they're both alive, and one of them's not even that badly hurt. Well, the one got shot in the leg, so yeah, I felt I like, like you know they showed that like that one would was survivable, but the other guy gets gets it pretty bad as he goes flying back on the bed mm. and um and i like the doctor was like uh it's 50 50 it what does he say he says um <laughs> it struck major blood vessels yeah and i'm like that doesn't sound right <laughs> <laughs> they struck major blood vessels <laughs> they spent all their money on the cars you know <laughs> they couldn't <laughs> afford medical medical knowledge but then I was like really enjoying all the old tech. In the the old tech was amazing. That, that um, so cool. that one machine that just for the for the heartbeat, for the heartbeat, an entire machine. <laughs> yeah, it's it freaking crazy. enormous. And I thought it was actually really weird that they had a black doctor. Not that whatever. I did too. I was gonna bring it up. I thought it was kind of cool that they did. I, I yeah, I don't know if that was more common than we think of today or what, but I mean, I, think about it. He had to have gone into medical school in the early early sixties, you know, like yeah. But I think that's a common. it's like a good choice. It's nice because I don't know that they. It's not like they were giving starring roles to many other than Sidney Poitier, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's sort of nice that they would give. I don't know, <laughs> this. Like, I don't want it to sound like, oh, that's so nice of white people to give the, but I think it's, I think that it's nice for a, a black person to be portrayed in a movie as a surgeon. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, and like, it, there's also the interesting little thing later when um, Chalmers comes in and wants the, the doctor replaced. Yeah. Which, Chalmers doesn't say that he wants him replaced because he's black, but he because does, he's young. Yeah. Because he he's young. But the doctor does does give kind of a look to Steve McQueen, like yeah, like this is obviously because I'm black. Yeah, pretty much. I yeah. thought that that was an interesting little. It wasn't a plot point at all, and it never comes back or anything. It's just yeah, which also is weird. A little thing to toss into it, and I don't know. I kind of um, liked it because I was like, dang, that kind of ca- it's interesting that they point out casual racism. Like, I know. I I thought that was interesting too, and and actually, right, 
in here. That was a weird scene where he's requesting the surgeon be replaced. Yeah. Is that going to come around later? Yeah, I figured it was, you know, because it was, I don't know, with what ends up happening, it was like... Well, because I kind of thought, like, well, maybe Chalmers is actually the bad guy here. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But and he wants him, and he wants him to finish the job, the new surgeon or whatever, right? Yeah. And I actually, I, so I thought this was kind of cool, too, is that, so that, you know, the guys, the, the hitman, right, is mm-hmm. going around looking for him. And uh, he sees a doctor, and the doctor's like, oh, they're up there. And then, but he does go back and calls up there and is like, hey, this guy's like trying to find a yeah. gunshot victim. You know, yeah. I don't think that makes much sense. So I thought that was kind of cool. I felt very real to me. Yeah, it did. Um, I like the doc- the doctor kind of admitting, yeah, I told him, but right, it not, it not being like a big problem that he told him, just like I wasn't sure what to say. Right, because I feel like that's real. Like in that situation, I don't know yeah. that like, I mean, if you're being told that there's some concern that somebody's going to put a hit on this guy, yeah, right, your job is not to confront this guy. Yeah, pretty know? much. Especially you're just a doctor. This isn't even one of the cops. Right, exactly. So right after this happens, right, the guy's up there, and he's, like, hiding out in the stairwell there. And then this woman shrieks at the top of her. I'm yeah. like, you just saw a dude. Like, <laughs> it's not that complicated. Yeah, she walked, not, of, she walked out of a, into a stairwell, and there was a guy. So it's basically just screamed her lungs off, yeah. ran back, and then gets to McQueen and goes, there's a man down the stairs. <laughs> the super calm voice. I'm like, yeah. what the? Why did you scream like a bat out of hell? Very excitable nurse. <laughs> she's like, she's used to seeing people dying, not people alive. So then we get a foot chase scene, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then, which you know was interesting. I will say, I kind of lost my place at one point during that. I'm like, wait, where are we? Mm-hmm. How? I feel like they turned around but didn't tell anybody. Um, and then he, you know, McQueen gets back up there just in time to see the witness die. Yeah. And again, I'm like, well, now what? <laughs> yeah. The the foot the foot chase, I suppose, was exciting, but it did feel a little uh, like he ran out of the building just to, to lose him and then come back. And then, like, I, I thought it was going to lead to, like, they actually get him because the other hitman is going to be there and snuck in or something like that while he was out right. chasing the guy, but gets back and it's just, Oh, I guess he's dying now. I, I know. And and then, so now they've lost their witness and I'm like, well, how do we keep this? How do we keep the plot going? Yeah. So what, 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 what movie do we have left here? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then, and then it's like, okay, he's going to try to convince the hitman to come back and go after him. Is he going to yeah. use a cadaver as bait? Yeah, <laughs> I guess. And then, uh, and then they kind of use it like, oh, he wants to catch those guys. Mm-hmm. So now the plot of the movie is to catch the hitman that went after this dude. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm with you. I can I can deal with it. You know, you want to know where I'm not with them exactly? How little a big deal it ends up being that he just took a dead body. You know. <laughs> well, he and didn't like, it. He sent it to the morgue. He just he just had him label it as a John Doe instead of the actual. Yeah, but I feel drink. like tampering with hospital records is a is kind of a big thing. And like, yeah. why are they why are they listening to him like so unquestioningly on? All right, do all of this stuff. And I get that he asked the doctor for the favor, but like, it seems like he just unilaterally was like, all right, I'm in charge of this now. And like, he shouldn't have been. 
And then the captain, you know, the, his captain, not not um, Mr. Roper from Three's Company, um, yeah. goes, did you take the, the body? Yeah. Oh, that's not very good, but where? You know, whatever. And then nothing happens. Like, Steve, I don't know, Steve McQueen was his, he was not the world's greatest cop several times in this movie. But <laughs> Well, okay, so I don't disagree with any of that. What I find sort of fascinating is that now, after all this has happened and he's, he's you know, essentially hiding a body, right? Mm-hmm. Using it as bait. Uh, now he's going to go grocery shopping. <laughs> we're we're going to go grocery <laughs> shopping. With that, him. Fruit, that fruit was fresh today, though. So that's good. <laughs> what? <laughs> when we watch him go and buy a whole bunch of TV dinners, I was like, why? All um, right. Yeah, there's a little bit of slice of life in this movie in a weird way. He's going to go to the club. He's going to. Yeah. Listen to some jazz flute, gonna buy some groceries, and then go back to sleep every so often. And now, so I I wrote this on here, and I wish I'd like remarked about what it actually is. But here's what I wrote. Maybe you can help me figure it out. What the hell? Just a random dude with a pipe? Um, that was probably um, that was yeah. Um, in the hospital, that was when Chalmers shows up. He was like one of the other senators oh, or something. That's right. That's and right. And Chalmers was like reassuring him about um, the witness is going to testify. Yeah. And, you know, this is when Chalmers finds out he's dead. But I remember... It was such an epic pipe. It was an epic I've, pipe and, like, he's just right outside the surgery at a, in a hospital. And it just makes me <laughs> laugh in the, how you could just... just they're, they're doing surgery right through that door, but I'm going to smoke my fucking pipe and nobody gives a damn. Yeah. <laughs> well... And yeah, so it's funny when I read this just now, I was like, I'm thinking like a lead pipe, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what did I write here? And now, now I'm like, oh, right, a smoking pipe. Got no, it. it's a tobacco pipe. How how bad must the world have smelled back in the olden days? Oh man, I mean, if I you, remember as a kid and hating it, and that was yeah. they made a lot of changes at that point. Yeah, and just if you're like the one adult that doesn't smoke, and you have to go everywhere, and everybody stinks. Yeah, I will say though pipe i think if i remember right because my grandpa smoked pipes mm-hmm. i think that those actually smelled kind of good sort of like the black and mild smell good yeah the um, pipe tobacco smells way better and i don't know what it is but they should make they should make cigarettes smell like that too because no they just no cigarettes should always just be disgusting i guess so. in every sense of the word i don't understand what is appealing about a cigarette i've never understood the appeal of a cigarette um, like, I will. I will say I get that, to put it in my mouth and suck on it. <laughs> hey, I'm told. I'm told it feels boyfriend. good. You know. <laughs> um, um, now, I don't know. I don't. Again, I wrote something down, and I don't know what I'm referencing here. Mm-hmm. But I wrote, "Man, I like McQueen's girls' outfits." <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know exactly when that was either, but she was probably wearing a little dress, a little, a little 1968 kind of skirt. You know? Oh, that's what it was. She she kept wearing shirts that were dresses apparently, but they were just like, they looked like button up shirts. Was this when, um, she's bringing him coffee in the morning. Yeah. Like he goes yeah. over to a little breakfast. No, yeah, that was really short, whatever it was. Yeah. I was a fan is what I was. I recall um, that now here's the part where I, where I didn't understand. I like, I still don't know how we got there. Mm-hmm. Maybe you noticed it. How does he get the exact cab driver when the guy says it was sunshine taxi? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't actually know either. Um, Earlier, I guess, when the one guy who was 
no. When the guy, when the, I'm sorry, the valet, um, who is at the hotel, when he calls it in, he yeah. says the cab number. But I guess, so I guess he had that reference somewhere. But I don't know. It didn't show oh. him knowing. Does he the call cab. it to Chalmers? Is that? That must be it. And then Chalmers must have given it. I assumed it he was a snitch for the, like the mafia. I assumed he was a snitch for the mafia too. And it was actually at this point that I thought, did he call the cops or whatever and tell them because they know the cab number? But that seemed to get there kind of weird too. Cause just next yeah. scene he's at the cab company talking to Robert Duvall. You know? Yeah. And that's when I was like, Hey, it's Robert Duvall. So I yeah. was right. <laughs> that's what I noticed too. Um, that Robert Duvall drives him around town for a while. Yep. And then, you know, the Chalmers guy is just still a dick. Yep. Um, and uh, then he's gonna he so he calls his uh, CI right his informant mm-hmm. yeah Eddie and Eddie shows up with the most amazing sunglasses and facial hair in history <laughs> it was quite the combo I, <laughs> I don't know what era he was from exactly but he stepped out of something right into a different movie <laughs> and then he notices he's being followed by the charger right yeah yeah. And I have to say, it was a pretty badass moment when all of a sudden the Mustang shows up in the rear Behind. view. Yeah, that was really that cool. Was really cool. I was like, oh, shit. I almost kind of wish that the actors had played it a little bit more. Like, Yeah, they really downplayed it a lot. They, they really did the entire chase scene. I think they were trying to look cool, but they just kind of looked uninterested to me occasionally. Like, yeah. it, that would have been a good moment for them to be surprised. And then you'd feel really how cool it was that McQueen was able to, you know end up behind them through his fancy driving or buddy Eakins his fancy driving. I don't know which. <laughs> well, so here's, here's what I sort of took away from this chase scene too is. Um, so I think the filmmaking of this is very, we talked about it. So it feels very real, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that reality really helps this chase scene. Mm-hmm. It just, there's something about it where you just feel like an adrenaline rush while you're watching it. Yeah, it's just so visceral, you know. It's it's so clear that it's actually on the streets, regardless of right. And like the way that the uh, did you notice how jarringly the cars go up over hills? Like they yes. they actually they actually get a little bit of airtime and then like come down with like 1968 suspension and everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and bump, uh, bump. yep. So there, there was a lot of moments where and and not and just the turning as well, like how um how much the tires screech and everything and how much momentum you can see the car has. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I, yeah, it was, I think you could put that chase scene up against a lot of chase scenes, you know, in modern movies. I will um, say I had thought I had seen the, the Mustang before, like, because it's famous and uh-huh. I'd always thought it was black. It turns out it's dark green. I didn't know. Yeah. That. Dark green. Yeah. I thought it was a cool color for it too. It was definitely an interesting color because, I, like I said, I just thought it was plain old black, and I think the charger was black. Um, I was re- when I was reading about the chase scene. See if you know about this. Um, they ended up using a, a charger because Ford initially sent over some other kind of Ford car, and they didn't want to use it because they didn't think a quote Ford Ford battle was realistic. What the hell does that mean? Does that where they shift with the same engines, so like there wouldn't be an advantage or something. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just felt like they just it was unlikely that two people would all would be driving Fords. I don't know. Yeah, it is I, weird. I, I didn't, didn't read understand. that, so yeah, I don't even know where I read it. I I think I just Google searched something about the car. So 
now we, we're diving deeper into this plot, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so well, now I'm thinking, okay, he's going to want to catch these guys, right? Yeah, he's going to want information from them, right? <laughs> and he fucking blows them up. But no, they explode. Charred remains. I'm like, <laughs> okay, so now what are we doing? Yeah, um, what do we have left at this point? Uh, yeah, evidently I wasn't the only one who was envisioning him getting them off the road, and then he goes over and maybe even they die, but he goes, come on, tell me who sent you first, right? Yeah. But no, they just immediately explode. Off the road, explosion. <laughs> and, um, yeah, explosion and immediately, like, on in serious fire. Not just, like, fire, you know. It's catching on fire. It's immediately, like, inferno. And... Like, this is what I mean about him not being the world's greatest copier, because, like, if, if I'm his captain and he comes in looking all, I'm swaggering in, I'm like, okay, so hold on a second here. You first got the witness, the witness got shot on your watch, like, fair or not, it happened on your watch, right? Right. And then, and then, you something the happened. You stole the body, which doesn't seem like it should be allowed, but I guess we also didn't catch the hitman. You didn't catch the hitman. Didn't yeah. catch him. You ran He's out of the kind hospital. Kind of an older guy. Yeah, but no, he's he's too slick for Steve McQueen, apparently. And then you blow up the only two witnesses we had. <laughs> Unlike a car chase that could have killed how many people? But you blow them up. <laughs> and, and, cause, and But, like, he didn't say any of that. The captain's just like, oh, Steve McQueen, you're such a loose cannon, but I guess we'll just deal with it. <laughs> and then it's so, like, he's like, yeah, I found out that they were calling this this hotel. And yeah. so, you know, oh, great lead. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going exactly to go that. to this hotel with yeah. hundreds of rooms and we'll find the right one. Yeah, sure. Um, and <laughs> just, I don't know. I'm like, so then we get to this hotel and I don't know, they had a restaurant or a hotel. I don't even remember now, but it's like this gigantic sign that's like, come for Mother's Day brunch. I'm like, oh, I guess this took place during right around Mother's Day. Yeah, I was. I kind of thought it was a Howard Johnson at first. Frankly, the way it did kind of look like that. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe that's maybe it was a hotel uh, restaurant combo. And then, and so I guess he had his girlfriend drive him to this place, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As oh a yeah, responsible police officer would do. <laughs> his car is evidently in the shop, and she's got an even flashier car than him. Yeah, I know. Like a Porsche convertible. It was. Like, it was like a yellow Porsche convertible. Like yeah. yellow. So. I'm and, like I don't know I don't know who's exactly paying for the car advertising in this movie, but <laughs> so then so then he finds the na- the uh, the dead girl right, yeah. and then she's like oh my god it's a dead person and yeah. runs away and then he's like I've got to confront you about this <laughs> and then they we watch them argue mm-hmm. for to what end I'm not sure and like you couldn't fucking say anything to her you could offer no comfort at all. Yeah, um, he like, played, what he, an asshole. He played that scene as though he was, I don't know, a robot. It was very, <laughs> like, he wasn't even angry. Just no emotion whatsoever. She's like, how did you do this? He's like, I don't know. How did you see dead bodies? Are you I don't know. Like, it was so, like, this is not, I'm not saying that the entire performance was, was bad, but this part was perhaps badly calculated. I don't know. Maybe... Maybe the point is how disconnected he is from everything, I guess. Well, I think that is the point, but it still just felt like, really? You couldn't just, like, put your arm around her and be like, yeah, yeah. I get how that would be a jarring thing for you to see, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Instead, you're just like, well, it's a dead body. <laughs> well, you What's see, when people aren't alive there? anymore, they, they yeah. die. You know, that's... 
I don't know. I didn't think I'd have to explain basic biology to you, but here we are. <laughs> Stupid woman. Yeah. Um, and then the next time we see him in the car, he's driving, by the way. I, I know. I noticed that, too. I was like, oh, does Steve McQueen, you know, cause a fuss here that he had to drive this one, too? <laughs> Actually, um, I didn't know that at the time, so I didn't think I'd so, so they they have a bunch of evidence, right? They got these mm -hmm. like suitcases and everything. And yeah. of course, what do you do with evidence? You root through it with <laughs> nothing on your hands. Yeah, I wrote, like, shouldn't they be fingerprinting all this stuff? They said at one point, let's send a lot of this stuff for fingerprints, and I'd be like, but they did it after they rifled through it with their yeah. freaking paws the whole yeah. time. You had your mitts all over this damn thing. So you could have put a glove on at least. We you got know? we got some fingerprints back. It's entirely you and the other guy. Yeah, it's you and Del Getty or whatever. Yeah, Del Getty, is. I think. I don't know. And then and then we get to I can't, I can't remember what we were waiting for with the fax machine, but that was crazy. <laughs> I didn't know they had that technology back then. I Speaking didn't either. And I was like, yeah, I had no it's, idea they had a fax machine in the 1968. Faxes, photos, apparently. Yeah, and I it had crazy like noises, and they had to wait a long time. It was some was serious noises. Like, that was like dot matrix printer noises. You know? <laughs> and I was just like, man, it's like not even 60 years, or like 55 years, right? Yeah. That's kind of crazy thing how far we've come in 55 years. That we're just looking at that and like, look at this old piece of shit. <laughs> that was like pretty Why impressive. Why don't you just take a picture on your phone and text yeah. them? <laughs> uh, you know, it's so funny with like smartphones specifically have really changed the way that you watch movies. And I don't mean watching movies on the phone. I mean, just like, man, this would be simpler if you just had a phone. <laughs> I know. There's like a lot of times in this movie I'm like, just call. Oh, yeah, you can't. Yeah, do that. exactly. <laughs> or like he needs because like he doesn't at the end. Remember, they don't know. I guess they may be jumping the gun, but they don't know what the guy looks like at the end. Right. right. And like today, you just fucking look up his LinkedIn or some shit, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> just Google search him. He might show up. Um, but yeah, but back then, they're waiting an hour and a half for this freaking picture to print. And I mean, that's pretty impressive at the same time. And I, mean, I, I felt. So at this point, I'm like, man, this is kind of like a cool whodunit film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we don't even know. an action movie. Yeah, it, it actually is, has a lot of elements of like double, not even double crosses, but like plot twists and like it's more cerebral than you'd think given yeah education. i had no idea it was going to be as like involved like i just i had i really so here's the thing this is what kind of why i should have expected it from jacqueline Bissett saying like mm -hmm. i still don't know what it's about yeah. but um i still don't understand the plot but like in the comments for that for that uh interview mm -hmm. this person wrote like what's so hard to understand he's like He's got to protect his informant. That's really all it's about. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that sounds simple. You know? yeah, for the, for and I'm watching, I'm like, minutes. so, and I, I know, I'm watching, and I'm just like, who is this fucking asshole that was like, <laughs> you're a Jacqueline Bissett, you're an idiot. Like, it, was, it was Steve McQueen. Really easy to follow. <laughs> okay. Um, Come on, dummy. And then we, we see the bullshit line, which I was like, ah, oh, there's the bullshit line. Um, um, wait, what, when was that? Was that what he was I don't in know the airport with Chalmers and Chalmers is like trying to convince him to like, don't make sure he comes back. Cause he's still my witness, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, bullshit. I remember that now. And, uh, I kind of saw Chalmers point there though. <laughs> yeah. So okay. did I, of course. 
people seem to die a little bit around this guy. So I also was like, well, yeah. Well, to me, it was like obviously you bring him back. Like, yeah, it's not good that he's killed people. Obviously, and he should go to jail for that. But but also, wouldn't it be good for him to take down an entire crime syndicate? That would be good. Yeah, that would be, uh, that would be a net positive for the world. <laughs> yeah. So I I was on Chalmers' side. I mean, he, Chalmers is like a real hard person to like, but yeah, I agreed with him also. Mm-hmm. And but I was struck by the uh, the fact that this guy is so good at weaseling away. Yeah. No, he's <laughs> at first it's like, well, he's just stuck on the plane, right? They know. They know his, They don't know what he looks like again because they just know his name when they found out that... Because that's the whole plot. The twist, by the way. I don't think we really quite said that. Is that oh, right. We didn't. That, <laughs> um, he, he assumed uh, the, the car, the used car salesman's identity. Yeah, they switched identities, essentially. Yeah, so he paid him to do it and then yeah. got him killed. Real nice mafia informant. Jeez. Yeah, um, I also think, like, what the fuck did that guy think was going to happen here? You yeah, it's, it's so bizarre to me. <laughs> getting in, getting involved with the mafia, everybody walks away clean, right? But uh, I also I had to say I liked the realism that he always had Del Getty with him, like he always had his partner around. I did too, actually, and I I feel a little bit bad for the actor who played the other guy who's just in the hospital now. <laughs> I know, yeah. the buddy cop picture where it had been a trio. <laughs> But but, uh, but no, they're, so they're on the plane, and we they know what Ross, they know that he's Johnny Ross, the real Johnny Ross, but they have no idea what he looks like. So it was kind of neat watching McQueen, like, ferret him out just by watching how people are acting, right? Yeah, exactly. Because everyone else is just getting off the plane, going, oh, I just got to get off the plane, uh, whatever. But this guy is looking suspicious, and, like, they make a good job of making it clear that he looks suspicious. And McQueen's like, oh, I think this might be our guy. And right. the guy starts going toward the back of the plane, and it's like, the fuck does he think he's going to do? And apparently he had a better idea of what he was going to do than I did, because he gets off the plane. Yeah. I, I thought the same thing. I was like, where the fuck's he going to go? Yeah. And Maybe like they like, have oh, those trap doors in geez. planes in movies, but... No, I yeah. think that was just an actual door. Yeah, it's just and a door. They, an exit door, you know? Yeah. And they have those. So I was like, oh, yeah, I guess you could exit. Made kind of a serious jump. But... Yeah, that's a big jump. Um, and then I'm thinking, like, so he's so good at weaseling away, and now he's like, he's lost him, you know? Yeah, that's. I kind of thought that he was gone too, because it was like, damn, this guy's like kind of gotten a big head start, and he's like off in the fucking weeds, right? Yeah, and I feel like if he just hadn't shot at him, he probably would have gotten away. Probably, um, because I guess he uses like trajectory, right, to like trace back to where the bullet came from, which is pretty slick. Yeah. Um. And then and then we get the plane going over him, and I had already read that that was actually a plane going over yeah. him, and I, and I I wrote, holy shit, I can't believe they actually had a plane go over him. Yeah, you know maybe some maybe Steve McQueen's insistence on doing a lot of these stunts gave him like CTE, and that's why he was so irritable in his later years, <laughs> yeah, abusing maybe. reporters. This whole time, McQueen has not pulled his gun out. Mm-hmm. You notice that? And I then guess the first not, time actually. he. The first time he pulls his get out is when he's going, when the bad guy has run back into the airport. Mm-hmm. And so he's about to open the door to go into the airport where all of these people are. And he's like, okay, now it's time to pull my gun out. Mm-hmm. Well, when there's not... the most possible collateral damage. Absolutely. <laughs> but he, he, you know, I see gun safety stuff on the internet 
and it's always like, don't point your gun at anything you don't intend to kill. And yeah. uh, that's what he did. He was like, <laughs> I intend to now kill this guy. So, because <laughs> like, as soon as the guy sh- is shooting back at him through an airport, you kind of can see, like, all right, you know, that is the point where you actually, I think, you're justified in shooting the guy back. Yeah, I mean, I was disappointed that that they killed him. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I, I would have liked to have seen him be captured, actually. It, it kind of um, makes you think, what was the point of this entire endeavor? Yeah, it, exactly. Like nothing. Um, I did think it was kind of funny that, like, he finally, that this other guy kills this guy and then blocks yeah. his exit by with a yeah. dead body. Yeah, that was kind of funny. Shoots a, a guard or something. And then, yeah, and oh, he's like, oh, I can't out. leave. <laughs> I'm stuck in a freaking glass vestibule with Steve McQueen on the other side. <laughs> so, and then there was, a, there was a decent bit of blood when he got shot here, too, I think. Yeah, lots of blood. Um, and so then, that must, and then, that must have been jarring at the time, frankly, if you're in the theater. And you're I would think to... so, yeah. And then, and then, you know, we see him go home, and we get a surprisingly contemplative ending yeah yeah we really do um i was expecting it to turn like into shaft for a second or something like he comes <laughs> home and because she's laying in bed I, she seems to sleep either in some sort of very small thing or you know not wearing anything and i was like he's gonna roll her over and he's gonna you know like uh killed a man and now i go home and make sweet love to my woman but <laughs> but no actually that's not how it worked at all i totally misread it ends up he goes into like the bathroom right yeah, and then he like, like looks himself in the mirror looks and he's like, in the mirror, yeah. What am, what is wrong with me? Basically, yeah, it's, he's thinking her words are replaying in his head, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's like, damn, that was kind of kind of an intense ending, like for. Yeah, I, yeah, I. It was an interesting ending. I sort of was like, I feel like the ending was to like explain why there was so much of that other stuff. Yeah, probably. But we'll get to it in film coherence. Um, but so I guess, you know, that brings us to the rank, which mm. is, you know, what we're all here for, right? We're going to rank it. Um, ten categories, story, acting, originality, action sequences, chase and fight scenes, film coherence, hero appeal, villain appeal slash hatred, supporting characters appeal, and the final showdown. Um, again, we're going to rank it on a scale of one to five, one being the worst, five being the best. And we'll start with story. And uh, I gave that a 4.25. Really? Yep. I thought the story was great. Um, they did well with the trickery and, and definitely, you know, threw me off the scent. Mm-hmm. Um, so many times I was like, how is it still going? <laughs> As we've discussed. Yeah. Everyone's dead. Um, but then, it, you know, it worked. And I, and I do think it was a little, but I do think it was a little convoluted at times. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what about That's you? That's how I feel. I, I went with a 3.4 because it wasn't quite 3.5 for me. Um but like I was very up and down because I would have, yeah. you know, with me, it, I kind of wanted it to go more in one way or the other, either be an action packed romp or be like a intrigue filled, you know, like a uh, kind of thing. Yeah. I like, see your point on that. It felt, and like the, the, the stoicness of the acting and everything like that, especially from McQueen kind of like downplayed a lot of the twists and anything for me. Cause it just like, wasn't, the fact that there was some sort of twist wasn't exciting because the characters weren't really reacting to it. That's interesting. That's a good point. I hadn't really considered that, but it was still, I mean, I I almost feel like I could have gone higher, but because it it was definitely interesting. And I feel like 
looking, having heard some things about it, but not too much about it, and watching it in 2023 instead of 1968. Yeah. Um, makes quite the difference. Yeah. Well, what do you have for acting? Is that what's next? That's what's next. Yeah, sorry. Next <laughs> is acting. What do you have for acting? <laughs> for acting, I gave it a three. And I was tempted to go much lower, as a matter of fact. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm not trying to hate on like a lot of people's favorite movie star, right? And I think it was a conscious choice to go so stoic and like badass. And clearly, it worked because like he's pretty famous for being like one of the baddest badasses to ever badass, right? But yeah. like, it just doesn't work for me. There's stoic, and then there's like fucking wooden. And there's and there's he's desensitized. He 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 doesn't even know how to have real feelings anymore. And then there's he's never heard of real feelings. You know? <laughs> so like I, I, I don't know. I, I I kept thinking about other actors who, who would be able to play someone like like this, but still give it a lot more humanity. And I think I might be judging it too much like in a modern kind of method acting kind of way, whereas he's going about it a little bit more like an old fashioned movie star. Um, yeah, that's interesting. And I, and I didn't think, I don't, I'm sorry, just uh, every, everybody else was just very middling to me, kind of pedestrian, except for except for maybe Vaughn, since Chalmers was so so sleazy. Yeah, I thought Vaughn was really good. Um, I I actually gave it a four and a half. I thought the acting was actually excellent. So <laughs> I mean, I don't even totally disagree, because like I said, it's an iconic performance. And uh, a lot of it, a lot of it is like in the body language as much as anything, frankly. Yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting to me. I haven't seen this is the only Steve McQueen movie I've ever seen. Same. So it might be like maybe we watch him again, and he's like, and it's like, oh, he's playing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe it's not great acting, but to me, I felt like he was like sort of you know a veteran of homicide yeah. and and detective work, and it just yeah yeah it, it felt very like it felt like a choice that Steve McQueen made for him to be very like, I'm, I'm not going to be um, surprised, you know, mm -hmm. like yeah. I'm going to be contemplative and I'm going to, you know, really think about what's going on before anyway. Um, but I also, you know, there's a lot of that older acting style, which mm -hmm. I think can be really charming actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's too much, but um but I felt like I I felt like everybody in it was, you know, I thought they did a good job in their roles. Um, I I would say that I think some of the roles were superfluous, so maybe yeah. there's too much acting. But um, <laughs> you know, other than that, yeah, I thought it was really good. No, but, I can so, I can actually this is one of those ones where I can I just a little bit of difference, and I think I'd be right where you are. It's yeah, you know, honestly, I, and it's funny because I could see where you're coming from. Yeah. You know. Um, we need but, to do more. We need to do more like mad at each other over over differing opinions. Dude, what the what? fuck is your problem? The no, three? seriously. <laughs> Come on, this was clearly a horrible performance. I don't know how you could give it a four and a half. A four and a half, please. I you mean, probably, I feel like you call yourself 15, a movie critic. Sixteen-year-old me, you know, and like when we were like fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Mm -hmm. That's, this is not how we would be discussing yes. this. <laughs> but nowadays, mm, I see your point. That was an excellent, a very <laughs> cool point you make. I, I'll have to consider that now, next time yeah. I think about this. But it's no, so I, funny because there's no fucking way. Like if you disagreed with me, <laughs> yeah. I would have argued with you until you left. 
I mean, that was fun, though, because it made for spirited debate, as it were. <laughs> I think we're just too tired and old now. You know what? We're, we're, we're Frank Bullet. We're too jaded. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nothing, nothing gets under our skin anymore because, you know, we've seen yeah. too much. So you see, good acting. Exactly. Um, I think I've come around to your manner of thinking on this one. <laughs> um, but so the next category is originality. And mm-hmm. uh, I actually gave this one a four and a half as well. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very original in the way that it mixed genres, built tension. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've never made it easy to figure out. I just, you know, I I felt like, you know, and I don't know a lot of, uh, I haven't seen a ton of movies from the 50s and 60s, it, specifically action movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe I'm wrong about this, but it felt like they were um, really sort of being a little daring. Mm-hmm. But what say you? I uh, originally, let's say my first impression is something around along the lines of before, but then okay. I actually like did it on a curve where I thought, well, let's try to think about this if you're in the theater in 1968, right? And not. It's actually really interesting that we're we're doing this one coming off of Mission Impossible, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, kind of similar twists and turns, but done on like a, a different level, I suppose, on in Mission Impossible. Right. So, like looking at it from some of these modern movies, it's like some of the twists and turns might be a little obvious, or maybe just a little too underplayed. But um, for the time, I can't think of too many movies I know of that are that are known for having multiple plot twists like this, except for like the Maltese Falcon, and there's not nearly as much um, action in that. Right. So, so like if this was billed to you as just being like macho action pit flick and you go see it, this would be like kind of a thrilling kind of surprising joyride in a lot of ways. Like what, what do you mean he died? Stuff like that. So I gave yeah, it a four. A good point. So I gave it a four and a half because um, I can very easily see this being one of the earlier examples of something with unexpected twists. No. Yeah. That's yeah. starring that's Steve so Knight Shyamalan. <laughs> so we completely agree on this. Yeah. All right, so action sequences is the next category. What do you have for that one? Well, action sequences, I gave a three because I didn't really notice too much aside from there were the couple of shootouts, right? Right. But not exa- they weren't exactly shootouts. And I guess the last one was pretty sh- pretty much a shootout. So some well in the some, opening credit sequence in the opening credit scene, which I liked, but um, was kind of unusual for an action scene in that it was like practically in slow mo sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I kind of wish I'd gone a little higher. I might, I might introspect go a tiny bit higher than three. Three seems, three seems not particularly fair. But uh, yeah, so for just action, there weren't like you know, you know, uh, daring stunts exactly. It was. It was the the big chase scene, which will you know is a different thing, and like it's the next category. Yeah, and uh, the rest is just kind of some stray some stray gunfire. Yeah. So, oh, I, well, yeah, no, I, it's basically all chase. So. Right. Yeah. So I so for I actually gave it a four because uh-huh. there weren't a ton of action sequences in it, like you yeah. said, but uh, I, I felt like when they had the action sequences, they were actually really well done. Yeah. Yeah. And You're I right. and I do I do think. This is sort of goes back to what I was talking about earlier. I do wonder if this hadn't been the first time I'd seen it. Yeah. If I might be having lower scores, you know, having scores more like you. Yeah. Because, you know, I just, 
like we've talked about, I go see a movie and I'm like, yeah, it was good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I can't help myself. I just, I want to enjoy it. But, yeah. uh, I'm a, I'm a little different. I, I kind of am thinking about a lot more like layers in the first place. And like, to the point that I kind of wish that like, I would stop crying so hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm like thinking about like, I'm like trying to make myself think about like deep criticism shit. And like, I'm like, why am I like trying to make myself be over analytical about it? I should just watch it and it'll come or it won't, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, yeah. I, well, I don't think there's anything wrong with either, with either way to do it, you know, or anything, but, um, I definitely am. <laughs> I think we aspire to be more like each other when we yeah. watch movies. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, fair. That's uh, somewhere in the middle is probably would be nice. Speaking of in the middle, I'm going to up the action to a 3.25. Just deserves a little bit more than just a three. Right. Well, I've got it. So let's go to chase and fight scenes. Mm-hmm. So I've got uh, a 4.9. Mm, I, I kind of figured it would be awful high, but why didn't you go quite quite five? It's just so close to perfect, right? So mm-hmm. we've got the fight scenes and the chase scene. So the, the on-foot chase scene, it was it was good, but like... Yeah, it was good. Um, you know, it's still, I, I got sort of confused as to where they actually were. And, um, you know, there weren't any fight scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so really, it's the car chase scene. So let's, mm-hmm. let's talk about that. The car chase is absolutely excellent. Mm-hmm. Even when McQueen is chasing um, Ross around the airport, which is a chase, yeah. right? It's really well done and suspenseful, you know? Um, the only reason I didn't give a five is because when he's chasing the hitman around the hospital, there's, you know, that I just lose my place. I got, I, yeah. I got confused by where they were, which is minor. And then the other was a there was a terrible cut during the car chase scene. Yeah. Did you see it? Where like, no, they. I, I, they hit no, a car and then like immediately cuts. And it's I, like, oh, I feel like I remember. The car. I don't remember specifically, but I feel like I, at the time, noticed at least one instance of wonky editing. Yeah, and I was like, that's like a really. Ter-. It was it was bad enough that I couldn't mm-hmm. give it a five. Yeah, I just was like, boy, that was really a bad cut. Um, no, I went with four and a half. Um, very similar, like pretty close to perfect. Uh, just a couple of minor things that didn't quite work for me so much like the it's I feel bad like ragging on this hospital chase scene it just felt so anticlimactic and so like I don't know it could have been done a lot more interestingly yeah it felt, it felt like a couple of idiots chasing themselves around the hospital like <laughs> like as interesting as hospital layouts usually are but uh it's actually kind of funny that we neither of us really or we both had tiny problems with the editing because I think I read also that that the chase scene like won awards for its editing and like specifically it was like this is how you edit chase scenes you know so but I don't know yeah that's funny I mean it's just that one part and then you know and the five hubcaps thing I I, I meant to count and I I was started to and I just I was into the chase scene so to well, me it's like I don't give a shit about that um, I do yeah. remember at least one instance of losing a hubcap being a little distracting. Right, the hubcap gets lost and it's back. Yeah, like I, I remember seeing that it was like the hubcap that got lost was the front, the driver's side left, or the tread left or so the, the driver's side front hubcap was gone, and then it was back. Like yeah. the next scene, I was like, oh, okay, well that's not and, great. And apparently, Steve McQueen gave this the chase and fight scene a one, I guess, because he hated it. 
Yeah, apparently. What kind of he was very it? crotchety about it. Yeah, he was just in a bad mood. You said four and a half for that one, right? Four and a half, yep. All right, so f- film coherence is the next category. What do you have mm. for that one? Film coherence I gave a four because I had perfect... I was perfectly able to follow, but I wasn't able to, like, anticipate. And I feel like a movie should be able to give you some kind of clue as to where it might be going to where once it happens, you go, Oh, uh, that's what, that's what it was. This one, it felt a little bit more like a lot of the surprises were just out of left field. Yeah. Right. So that's, that was my, uh, my feeling toward that, like the identity switch. I just feel like there was just nothing there for me to have known that that was even an option. I don't know. So I thought that was a cool twist, but yeah, I agree. It was like, how how did we get there? Yeah. Um, I actually gave it a 2.75. Oh, so you were less cohered with it. Yeah. I felt like there was a lot of like, how do we, how did he get the exact right cab? Yeah. Like, why do we have any scenes with his girlfriend? Yeah, that's true. Why could... is she even a character? Why did they go to the club? Why do, why do we see him grocery shop? Like, <laughs> There's so many things in here. I'm like, wow, what a, what the fuck are we looking at here? You know, like well, if you had spent any of this time on developing the plot, that's pretty, you know, convoluted to make it more manageable for the, for the viewer, then it would have gone a long way. And instead you just had these weird fucking side, you know, plots that, that you could have taken out and nobody would have even known that they existed. Like it wouldn't have been like, hmm, I wonder if he has a wife, you know? <laughs> Yeah, nobody would give a shit. Um, the only thing I, that they needed to keep in was that fucking lever that he lets people <laughs> in the door with. That made the movie right there. <laughs> That's why I gave it a four because that, that lever was just so cool. I, I, I'm now imagining like a weird, like an alternate version of this movie where it's like he he chases down a terrorist and then blows him up and then goes to the bank. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> him standing in line is the next scene. Like, oh, this is taking a minute. Um, you know, but, you, but it wouldn't be like after he blew up the terror. It would be like, I almost caught the terrorist. Okay, gotta oh yeah, go, uh, deposit <laughs> something in the bank. <laughs> yeah, he didn't even foil the terrorist. <laughs> he, you know, the terrorist still blew up whatever it was that he was trying to blow up. Yeah, but exactly, or something. And then he goes to the bank to like, oh, my pay stubs or some shit. Yeah. Um, you know, you've talked me, you've talked me into a lower score for this one too. I'm going to give it three point seven five. <laughs> That's not usually the direction I want I want to put you in, but but no, you're you're absolutely right. I it was the damn it was the damn mundane details I got. Me. Yeah, I mean it's not like it was like terrible, but yeah, it was, it was, I think below average. Yeah, so. it was a little it was some odd decisions. All right, so on to hero appeal, which is the mm. next one. That's me. Mm. Uh, I think that we're going to disagree on this. Probably. I gave it a four and a half. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a slow burn. For bullet right but uh but mm-hmm. by the end of it i was like full-on rooting for him like yeah i mean i spent like maybe it's the car right but when that mustang shows up in the rearview mirror i was like yeah. okay that was i'm fair. sold on this hero okay. well so what did you do for hero appeal for hero appeal i did indeed go in a different direction and gave it a two um <laughs> it sounds so so uh cruel to say but it it's as a performance it just doesn't work for me i, I don't Basically, just everything I said before. I I don't want to I don't want to harp on it like I hate the guy. It's just 
so wooden to me. I had a feeling from what we were talking about that you might, <laughs> you yeah. might go yeah, kinda, in that direction. I kind of already said. <laughs> um, so, all right. So for villain appeal slash hatred, mm-hmm. um, what'd you do for that one? For that one, I gave it a three. Um, uh, you know, there wasn't, except for uh, what's his Chalmers, there wasn't really so much a villain exactly. We don't ever see the 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 syndicate heads or anything like that and ross the real ross isn't really so much of a villain because we don't even know about who he actually is until the very end but at the same time it was pretty serviceable you know chalmers was in fact annoying and unlikable and just sort of the case itself being the the impetus uh, for uh frank bullets actions was uh was worked worked okay for me so it's this is this was kind of a hard one for me. So when I started out, I wrote I when I was writing it out, I wrote a three, mm-hmm. same as you. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking about it a little bit as I'm I was writing about it, and I was like, okay, I'll do a three and a half. Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking about it more, and I'm like, it was really sort of unique that um, this movie created your hatred through the experience of the other characters. Yeah. So like by the time that you figure out that this is the guy and he's killed two innocent people, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and he's, he's just, just kind of a real piece of shit. Um, yeah. I, I just, I was like, you know what? You're, you're really rooting for his downfall. You know, I was rooting for him to get captured and mm-hmm. arrested. Yeah, right? not, no. I didn't. Yeah. I, I didn't like, I, I killing them. You know, a lot of, I liked it when I was younger, but now I feel like it's kind of anticlimactic. Yeah. Um, so then we move on to supporting characters appeal. Mm-hmm. And for that, I did a 3.75. Oh. Um, I think a lot of it was because of Chalmers. Mm-hmm. Robert Vaughn, I mean, he just, it's just a bureaucrat character who I felt complete antipathy towards. You yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> kind of the same as, uh, as, uh, as Kid- Kittinger. Kittinger was his name? Kittridge. Kittridge. Yeah. Who's Kittinger? Yeah. Mission. I don't know. <laughs> this sounds like a good one. I feel like he's a writer. Yeah. <laughs> Marcus Kittinger. Um, but no, kind of similar to him. Just not really such a villain. Exactly. Just, you know, an unpleasant bureaucrat. Yeah. And, you know, Bullet's partners weren't super fleshed out or anything, but I did like them. Yeah. And as much as I thought that uh, his girlfriend was superfluous to the plot, mm-hmm. um, you know, she was charming. I I thought, like, I, I liked her. I thought the chief was good, too. Um, but in the end, I, I just actually think there were just too many characters with lines. You yeah, know? It's, hard, it's hard to really care too much about a lot of them. Exactly. Overall, though, I thought there was, there was pretty good appeal. What, um, so what did you have? I gave it a 2.5. Um, I uh, I counted Chalmers way under more under villain, so I didn't really count him here. Um, and everyone else was just so so boring. Um, Del Getty was fine, but like boring. Like I, it was like he was gonna play like he was trying to like mirror Steve McQueen's performance, but it just meant that right. there were two boring guys doing this instead of one. <laughs> and then. The captain, he was actually pretty. I kind of liked. He was kind of stern and and pretty decent. Like I liked him kind of standing up to to um 
God, what's his name already? Chalmers. I almost got called him Kittredge. Um, I, like the way he stood up to Chalmers at the, the church a little bit. Not really stood yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. At least didn't let himself get steamrolled. But and, it was a but it was a realistic standing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't like. Um, I liked. He didn't. Yeah, he he's like still aware that he has to like play nice to a certain extent. Right. And then and then literally, I Norman Fell was the other the other police captain, and that's literally uh, Mr. Roper from Three's Company. And I couldn't take him seriously once I realized it was Mr. <laughs> Roper. So, I'm sorry, Norman Fell, but I just couldn't deal with this. Um. <laughs> Two and a half for that. I, I may, maybe more if if he never starred in Three's Company. Like imagine Don Knotts shows up in something. You know, you just can't take him seriously. <laughs> well, so the next category is Final Showdown. Mm. Euro versus villain. What'd you give for that one? For that one, I gave a four and a half because I thought that that was a pretty darn good showdown. As a matter of fact, it started. I wasn't sure what direction they were going to go in. Um, I guess it was a lot like a lot of the movie where it was like. All right, so he's going to get him off the plane, and what's going to happen? But um, I liked the chase. It felt it felt like someone could actually do it, you know? Sometimes with modern action movies, it's like everything needs to be more over the top than the last thing. Um, and I liked the fact that it... Whereas the hospital chase scene felt a little bit like just a couple of guys running around the stairs, um, this was exciting, but also like... You know, if you're actually going to chase somebody through an airport, it might actually go down this way. Um, so I liked it a lot, and I thought the it was actually exciting him getting shot at the end too. It was a good build up, and then a final kind of emphasis. Yeah, that's interesting because, like, so for me, I actually i I really enjoyed it, and I think that I would have gone probably a four or higher. Mm-hmm. But the killing of him at the end it just it really takes me out of it. I just don't like that. I agree. I didn't. I didn't really like it, but I thought it was at least done well. Yeah. So I ended up doing a three point eight five. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just didn't think it was a four, but it's it's pretty darn good. I mean, it's. I just wish they would have captured him instead of killing him. You know, I, I felt like. Uh, but the chase, chase is excellent. Yeah. So that that's. That's it. We've we've ranked the whole thing. It came out to a total of seventy five point four. So that puts it directly between Speed and the Mummy. Well, I think I'll be honest with you, Zach. I think that you kind of lowered I, it a little bit. I I did. I gave it a couple of twos there at the end of the two and a half at one point. That uh, I feel bad, but if you know, like, sorry, just it did. Well, anyway, point is is that it was definitely pretty decent. I tried to get it back up there at the end, four and a half. Yeah, you did. I mean, it made me think that I went too low on the final showdown, actually. Because, you know, for me, it's the disappointment of having, you know, killing him actually was what put it down so much. So, you know, maybe I'm like being too harsh. But anyway, I'm not being too harsh. (laughs) Well, I just want to thank everybody for listening. I'll, uh, you know, maybe 18 of you at this point. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, let's, let's hope we didn't lose too many people by this point. <laughs> um, but if you'd like to see an updated list of our rankings, you can see that on our website at therankwithjohnandzack.com. Check us out uh, for our next episode when we're ranking Raiders of the Lost Ark, the original 1981 Indiana Jones movie starring Harrison Ford. This will Wait. be coming out the – sorry, go ahead, Zach. 
I was I was just surprised that Harrison Ford was in it. Yeah, no, you didn't know that. No, it was Harrison Ford. I thought he plays that. he plays the the uh, he, he plays, plays the Jones. guy with the beard and the fez who helps Indy out when they get to Cairo, right? Oh, is that what he played? I thought that's, he played a more it. significant role. Uh, well, no, anyway, I, you, no, you're right. He's the monkey. <laughs> well, we'll have to watch it and find out. But um, <laughs> but you know, we're doing this uh, because this that episode will air air that episode will <laughs> will be out it will drop how about that it'll drop the saturday saturday at midnight of the weekend that the new indiana jones movie comes out so i thought it would be nice to coincide starring harrison ford oh he's in that one too yeah how about that i thought it was shia shia Le- thank the good lord it wasn't but <laughs> oh shia he's got a bad rap you know he is a bad rapper. Um, and you're, you're thinking of Phoebe Waller-Bridge. That's who you're thinking of. Oh, gotcha. Okay. She's from she's from a flea bag. Duh. <laughs> well, anyway, thank everybody again for listening, and uh, goodbye. Au revoir. <laughs>